From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi. Your parents' well-appointed rec room with the wood paneling and the air hockey table. Your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate. And your cabin in the woods. Hello to all of you listening to The Conspiracy Show on one of our uh, approximately 40 affiliates across North America. Hi to those checking us out on The Conspiracy Show app. How do to you on The uh, Conspiracy Show YouTube channel. If you haven't already, please visit the YouTube channel and hit that red sub button. However and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes and I thank you for your fine company. Dr. Michael Sala is with us to discuss QAnon. Michael is an internationally recognized scholar in international politics, conflict resolution, and U.S. foreign policy, and is the author-editor of an additional four books, including The Hero's Journey Towards Second American Century, uh, Why the Cold War Ended, Islamic Radicalism, Muslim Nations, and the West, and uh, has also authored more than 70 articles, chapters, and book reviews on peace, ethnic conflict, and conflict resolution. The website is exopolitics.org, exopolitics.org. So, this story began in October 2017 when an anonymous user posted a series of messages on 4chan, a very loosely moderated message board, and the unidentified user who signed off as Q claimed to have top security clearance within the U.S. government. The core of the QAnon story is that the Robert Mueller investigation into alleged collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia is actually an investigation into global elites and that the president is masterminding a secret plan to arrest top politicians and Hollywood stars for corruption and even child abuse. January 1st, on that date or thereabouts, we could see some military tribunals. I mean, who do you expect to see hauled up before one of these military tribunals? Well, I think uh, we're going to see some really interesting events concerning uh, former senior officials uh, within the Obama administration. I mean, the most significant, of course, is going to be Hillary Clinton because she has been at the kind of centre of Q's Postings from the very beginning. I mean, his very first post concerned uh, Hillary Clinton's impending arrest. But we're going to see a lot of people who have been the the kind of ringleaders. Loretta Lynch, I think, is is also going to be someone that is going to be likely subjected to this kind of unsealing of uh, an indictment, and she's going to be tried likely for being involved in some kind of deal-making uh, with Bill Clinton to protect Hillary from prosecution. You know, the famous tarmac meeting in 2016 before the, uh, the election where it was pretty clear that um, the investigation into Hillary's handling of classified uh, files, that the investigation into that was, was basically uh, not going to be seriously conducted. Uh, you're, you're going to be seeing charges brought against uh, people uh, that were involved in uh, basically misleading the FISA courts in uh, authorizing investigations um, and surveillance of the Trump administration, uh, both prior to the 2016 election and immediately after that. Uh, people like Peter Strozik, 
uh, Lisa Page, uh, these are uh, FBI officials, um, uh, Carter Page, and a, a, a number of others that were involved in uh, these kinds of um, uh, duping of the FISA court. You know, they'll be also hauled up before these. Either it'll be a military uh, court or it'll be a civilian court working with the military. Because, you know, if we're talking about uh, up to 60,000 sealed indictments, this is something that is going to be unprecedented uh, in terms of, you know, this number of senior officials, uh, deep state assets, all being tried simultaneously by both military and civilian courts. So this is going to be uh, stupendous. This is going to just absorb the mainstream media uh, for a long, long time because I think this is going to be uh, something that's going to be deeply shocking, uh, just the extent to which the deep state has um, corrupted the uh, you know, all, all branches of government and even... Um, influenced or controlled the uh, mainstream media. Why leak this information to the public using these cryptic messages? What purpose does that serve for Q if, in fact, this is a legitimate insider associated perhaps with military intelligence? Uh, why leak? Well, that's, a, again, a, a fascinating question. Uh, you know, why the leaking? Q has repeatedly said that mobilizing people is very important to fulfilling the plan, that it's not just like a covert plan that's put in place by senior military people and that this is something that happens behind the scenes and then one day people wake up and lo and behold, you have all of these deep state officials being tried. Apparently that was never going to happen, that there needs to be a kind of level of mass mobilisation in terms of public support uh, for this. And, you know, this is where we kind of get into the whole idea that, uh, you know, that there are a lot of uh, forces that are watching uh, what is occurring here, that this is not just simply a matter of, you know, the U.S. military uh, trying to clean up uh, the deep state uh, influence over all branches of the U.S. You know, this is uh, a, a much larger struggle uh, between... I guess probably the easiest way of, of describing it is uh, forces of light versus the forces of darkness. Um, you know, this is almost biblical what we are witnessing now. This is kind of like an end time scenario where essentially we are being watched. And I think the beings that are watching us, you know, you can give them whatever name you, you'd like, but I think that they are watching us. Um, and, and if we collectively express our desire to live in a system that is cleaned up of all of these corrupt assets and forces, then we will receive kind of hidden help. Um, and, you know, exactly wh where that comes from, you know, I've been working uh, for, for well over a decade now, close to two decades now on the whole extraterrestrial cover-up, and I know that there is um, a, a kind of galactic federation, if you like, a, a kind of umbrella network of extraterrestrial civilizations monitoring us and looking at what happens on the planet and, and, and essentially uh, wanting to lend assistance but only being able to do so if it's the will of the people. Now, if people are, are, are lied about, uh, about the existence of extraterrestrial life, 
um, you, know, you know, how do extraterrestrials know what the will of the people is? Well, then it's, it's through these grassroots efforts to try and get people to uh, mobilise or express their desire for things to happen. And one of the things that people, you know, one of the things is cleaning up the, uh, the deep state's influence over the, the body politic. So I think that is the reason why Q um, has been again and again emphasising you know, that people need to mobilise, people need to kind of tell others about what's going on and you know, publish all these memes and why the mass media has been kind of like really uh, trying to trash uh, the Q phenomenon. And, and that truly is, you know, if, if you have any questions about le- the legitimacy of the Q phenomenon, um, I think all you need to do, Richard, um, or, or any listener needs to do, is to basically look at some of the Q listings of all of these mainstream media stories uniformly attacking Q. And, and, and if Q really was a lark, really was just uh, someone playing pranks on these uh, anonymous posting boards, you know, why the mass media interest to kind of discredit this thing? So to me, and you know, because of my research, I, I know that the mainstream media does take its marching orders from the CIA, from the deep state, that these kind of like uh, bullet points are put out every morning at around 4 a.m., sent off to the major media in whatever time zone um, so that when the uh, journalists wake up and write their stories, it's all there for them, you know, the talking points. Um, that that they're being put up for it, that the deep state wants to undermine the Q phenomenon and the only reason for that is Q is a threat because Q is waking people up, red-pilling people as the, kind of, as, as the vernacular exists today and, and that's a threat because the more people wake up to what the deep state has been doing and Q's exposures of the deep state, then the more chances we're going to succeed in in the indictments being unsealed and people being tried in these military and, and civilian criminal courts. Uh, we're going to head into a break here shortly. When we come back, we will uh, we'll get into some phone calls, questions, and comments for Dr. Michael Sala as we discuss QAnon. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Dr. Michael Sala is here, the website exopolitics.org, and we are talking about the QAnon phenomenon, whether you believe it, whether you don't believe it. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, we'll begin our calls with Jim here in Toronto. Jim, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. You're on the line with Dr. Michael Sala. Yeah, hello, Richard. Good Hi. to be on your show. Thank you. Welcome. Hi, Michael. Um, just wanted to ask you, there was uh, one of the last drops on November 12th was... Uh, drop 2491 where it mentioned something big is about to drop and then um uh key drop after that there was uh left with uh uh on november 13th a number a numerical number 53 to 47 and a few days after that trump tweeted he said he tweeted that uh what does he say here people are not being told that the republican party is on track to pick up two seats in the U.S. Senate, an epic victory, 53 to 47. So that seems to confirm more that uh, the whole Q phenomenon is pretty, is, uh, you know, future proves past. 
Wait a minute. You said that the the drop was November 12th or 13th, but the midterm elections were before that. And so we already I mean, we didn't know the results of Florida necessarily until recently, but Okay. But Trump tweeted a few days later after November 3 that they're on their way to an epic victory of 5347 and today because of the Florida recount, right. That was pretty well confirmed. I think there's still a runoff in Mississippi. But it looks like what I'm just saying is that what was predicted almost a week ago, November 13th, the 5347 people were speculating, what does that number mean? But then Trump tweeted several days later that they're on their way to a 53 to 47 epic victory for the Republicans to control the Senate. All right. Did you want to respond to that? Just again. But Mm -hmm. the thing is, I, I just wanted to get back to see what Michael's take might be. Has has the, the his quote Q's drop of quote something big is about to drop, which was just November twelfth. I'm wondering if that's happened or is it about to happen? Because nothing has been posted since November thirteenth. So I'm just wondering if it has to do with something with maybe the Julian Assange accidental release of his indictment, or who knows the the, the fires in Florida or the election or the Whitaker or Sessions transition with the Mueller. Any comment on that, uh, Michael? Uh, right. Yes. Um, um, you know, we don't really know, do we, uh, exactly what what's going to be uh, the big drop at the moment? Uh, okay. Because there's so many different ways that this this could go. Uh, but certainly, the, the fact that the, the the Senate does look like it's going to uh, pan out to be that kind of 53-47 uh, division that the Republicans picked up seats um, and um, that now the, the kind of the focus of the investigations are, are going to shift uh, from the House to the Senate, and that Trump's position in the Senate is uh, is, is pretty strong now. Um, that that maybe it's going to emerge that um, you know, whatever the big development is, it's going to have something to do with, with the Senate. Uh, but, but certainly, um, you know, it is holiday season. Um, I know the, the, the military courts martial um, amendment uh, goes into effect January 1st, so I'm not expecting too much to happen between now and then. But um, you know, with Q, you, you never know. There, there, there can be some, some big developments. But you know, I think it's very notable that uh, I mean, we are November 18, and um, there's been no drop since November 12, and, and so. That does suggest something big is is going to happen with the with the next set of drops. Yeah, sorry, am I still on? Yes, go ahead, Jim. Oh, okay. So just also in a, a very other important drop on November 11th, post 2478, it said, and everyone was shocked in the in the um, you know the people that are analyzing the Q drops um, that there's uh, 2478 states that let the unsealing begin, let the declassification begin, let the world witness the truth, we the people, justice under the law, and that's Q. So up until this time, the Q boards had always just talked about declassification, but now, bang, November 11th, let the unsealing begin, which means something, you know, might be heading more seriously down that path. And the fact that uh, Julian Assange, people are trying to read into that accidental disclosure of his, um, you know, indictment or arrest that, you know, was brought to light. So um, just all these things happening, it's just hard to see which direction um, things are going to go. Great, great uh, comments and questions, Jim. The, the, yep, Julian, the Julian Assange issue is is interesting because I'm not sure how that fits into 
this. Uh, if he, for example, is being indicted and, and a deal is being worked out to extradite him to the United States to be put on trial, uh, I mean, it would seem to me that Julian Assange would be perceived as someone who is uh, fighting against the deep state. So how does that work out in your mind, Michael? Well, you know, that's a, a really interesting scenario because um, you know, that would be an example of, of, of something major uh, dropping. If, if, if all of a sudden some sort of um, arrangement had was had been uh, settled with uh, Julian Assange where he agreed to be extradited to the United States to, to, to kind of like face charges, but what would emerge was that um, he would uh, drop these bombshells that in fact um, it wasn't Russians supplying him with information. It was this um, insi- insider within the Democratic uh, National Committee, uh, Seth Rich, that actually passed on the information. And um, and, and so um, this is something that uh, Julian Assange could basically give um, first-hand testimony of because uh, Seth Rich is dead. Uh, there is a... Um, uh, someone in New Zealand uh, who's also uh, very famous for having um, uh, done a, a lot to kind of share information on the internet. His name is Scatsy at the moment, um, uh, but a fairly... Uh, he, he was saying that it was Seth Rich who actually had passed on the information to Julian Assange. So... Uh, but nevertheless, if Julian Assange ends up in the United States, I mean, he would be um, a first-hand witness who could give testimony as to exactly what it was WikiLeaks received. So, Kim.com. Um, Kim, that was Kim.com, Michael. Thank you. Yes, I was struggling to get that name. So Kim.com has been fighting extradition charges himself for the U.S., and I think he's he probably won't end up in the United States soon. Um, he's free in New Zealand to, to spend his millions. Uh, but uh, Julian Assange is holed up in the Ecuadorian embassy. So I think it would be kind of in his interest to just, you know, uh, make a deal with the U.S. authorities, give his testimony, rather than just kind of like, you know, end up in some British jail for the next two, three years while they fight out uh, extradition charges. All right, let's go uh, back to the phones, and uh, let's see. Is it Doc in New York? Doc, welcome. Yeah, just across the lake in Youngstown. Hey, okay, welcome. What a great show. And I'm sorry about George. I really look forward to his show every night on Sundays. We're going to miss him, but make sure you tune in next week for the uh, the big tribute. Oh, I wouldn't miss it. Uh, he introduced me to Patty Page, but... Um, Listen, uh, Michael's doing a phenomenal job. This is an enormous subject. Uh, his constant, his uh, grasp of it is is impressive, and I I really appreciate this show very much. Uh, this is one of the most interesting chapters in American history unfolding before us right now. And Trump's election was an absolute miracle, and this is just you know too good to be true. But I wanted to ask Dr. Sala. I have a friend that follows Q very closely, and he and I both believe that pedophiles and child sex traffickers are going to become a special target of these indictments. Your thoughts, Michael? I mean, it's interesting. If you do sort of a Venn diagram of people that uh, are following uh, Q, 
Um, I, I think a lot of them would also have been very caught up and interested in the whole Pizzagate uh, uh, story, which I mean, I think in that particular incident, it, it didn't, it, it wasn't true, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a, a, a you know, a, a, a larger truth to this, which I believe. Michael I mean, Epstein, Lolita Island. Bill yeah, Clinton. absolutely. There is a, I think there is a major, uh, at very high levels. I mean, we know this from what's going on in England. At the highest levels, there are, there are Satanism. pornographic and sex rings, and absolutely, I, I, I subscribe to that. So, Michael, your thoughts. Right, yes. Um, um, this is one of the things that uh, Q has been posting uh, is uh, these ref- the references to uh, Jeffrey Epstein's island, um, his, uh, uh, the temple on that island, and also has been posting regularly about the uh, connections between Satanism and the deep state. And, and quite clearly, uh, the breadcrumbs that were being dropped was alluding to the fact that Children were being used as sacrifices um, in the satanic rituals being conducted at uh, places like um, uh, Jeffrey Epstein's uh, island on, in that in that temple in uh, deep underground um, areas. Um, of course, you have the Pizzagate conspiracy where you had that kind of uh, similar um, sentiments being expressed. And you know, people can ask, well, you know, is this just a conspiracy? Where's the proof for this? Well, um, there was a really well-documented book uh, by John DeCamp called The Franklin Cover-Up, and he documented how these uh, sex rings operate using children who are uh, placed into these uh, uh, compromising situations with politicians who were then subsequently blackmailed. And that, and, and that the children that were involved in these, um, in these kind of uh, pedophile uh, rings, they actually talked about are kind of like uh, rituals uh, uh, that uh, some of the children were, were sacrificed. So, you know, this is uh, something that has been documented, and now uh, Q has been kind of like emphasizing the connection between these pedophile networks, uh, corruption in Washington, D.C., and uh, Satanism, and uh, powerful families such as the Rothschild family. Um, and, and the Soros family, uh, the Soros, George Soros group, and the Saudi um, family, that these are all connected in this kind of worldwide network of uh, uh, pedophiles, globalists that are connected to Satanism, and that... Um, what about uh, Hollywood? The is Ho- administration going after them. What about Hollywood? Because we hear about, obviously, these horrible... Uh, the horrible situation with Weinstein and, and, and um, uh, women in Hollywood being uh, targeted and, and abused and so forth. But, uh, I mean, as, as horrible and unconscionable as that is, we're not hearing about, and there have been a number of, ch- uh, of, of actors that have come forward uh, that, were, that were child actors that have talked about uh, sex, child sex rings and, and pedophilia in Hollywood. Are, are we going to see... Indictments in that area as well. Are we going to finally see Hollywood uh, and, and, the, and, the, and the child sex rings exposed there, in your estimation? Oh, definitely. I think that's going to be one of the things that's um, going to be very upsetting for people as uh, the long list of Hollywood celebrities uh, basically are charged uh, with these kinds of uh, crimes, uh, you know, whether it's... Uh, uh, abusing children sexually or whether it's uh, being involved in uh, these kind of uh, sex rings uh, 
even even the more sinister aspects of uh, kind of like uh, child sacrifice, so, Satanism, and, um, and 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 these are the things that um, the uh, John Huber investigation has been uh, investigating quite closely, and we can imagine that a lot of those indictments involve Hollywood celebrities that are caught up in these uh, sex rings, exploitation of children, um, and even some of this kind of uh, child sacrifice that has been going on that is that is part of these satanic rituals. And, you know, this is, this is one of the things that uh, even people that are following the Q information don't necessarily understand, well, where does this come from? I mean, people think, well, Satanism, that's a kind of a religious thing. Well, not necessarily. I mean, Satanism... Uh, can be connected to a group of extraterrestrials that are uh, reptilian. And, and some of the uh, uh, Q posts actually talk about the reptilian extraterrestrial influence in the Vatican, um, where, where Q talked about, you know, posted one of these that showed uh, the meeting space in Vatican City, the main auditorium there for, for events in the Vatican, actually having very clear uh, reptilian imagery there. So Q was really dropping the hint that, you know, when we're trying to understand, you know, where does Satanism come from? Where does this kind of uh, child sacrifice, um, you know, drinking the blood of children come from, all of that, all of those kind of horrible practices, where does that come from? Um, that it's connected to this reptilian influence and, uh, and it's connected also with the, the Vatican, that the Vatican is involved in this because it's been corrupted by the reptilians um, and by the Rothschild family. And, and Q has pointed to uh, these uh, major loans that the Rothschilds made to the Vatican um, in the early 19th century. And the Vatican ever since has been kind of like beholden to the Rothschild family All right. because Listen, they owe I've got them a, a lot of money. I've got a break uh, coming up here, Michael. Uh, when we come back, we'll get to some more phone calls. Toll free from out of town, one 740 Curiosity, or did the devil make you do it? Whatever the reason, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Dr. Michael Sala stays with us until the top of the hour. More of your phone calls upcoming, 416 in the GTA, 416-360-0740, toll-free from just about anywhere, 1-866-740-4740, 1-866-740-4740. I wanted to bring it back to exopolitics for a moment, um, because we have, uh, well, starting back uh, almost a year ago in December with the, the publication of that New York Times uh, article talking about ATIP, this uh, project to to determine the potential threat of unidentified flying objects, and this was a, a project uh, deep within the Pentagon that was funded um, uh, through Senator Harry Reid. In part, uh, it's it's strange to me that that um, the people that were hoping for disclosure, let's say from during the Clinton administration, may have had their their, their best allies in the Clinton administration, because we know of Bill and Hillary were uh, in, involved in the uh, the the, uh, the, the Lawrence Rockefeller initiative. Um, Hillary went, you know, on, was was very public about wanting to 
get to the bottom of the uh, the issue. Uh, John Podesta, who served uh, Clinton uh, and also President Obama, also very vocal um, about the need for disclosure, the legal need for disclosure. So, but now it would seem that the, all of those individuals, the Clintons and Podesta, are on the opposite side. So that's also very confusing to me. Well, it can be, and, and certainly I was among those said many favorable things about both Podesta and Hillary Clinton in terms of uh, their advocacy for UFO disclosure over many years. And, and certainly I began to support Hillary Clinton's efforts during the 2016 campaign to kind of bring the UFO disclosure issue to the public's attention. But then again, after Q began posting and after... Uh, revealing a lot of the shenanigans that went on. Um, I mean, there were many things that happened during that election that suggested that you know, even though Hillary was and John Podesta were doing some really kind of stellar things in terms of getting UFO disclosure, there were a lot of other things that were happening that did kind of raise eyebrows over whether or not um, you know, they were genuine or whether they were ethical you know, in terms of like what happened to Bernie Sanders and, and the rigging of the election, the way in which the uh, handling of the classified files was, was conducted, all, all these things. And then, of course, we get the revelations from QAnon that Podesta and the WikiLeaks, where the Podesta files were released, showing you know, not only that he was involved with ATIP and John DeLong, uh, Tom DeLong's kind of... Uh, disclosure initiative and meeting with some Air Force generals to get a briefing about what the Air Force was doing at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, kind of very positive things for disclosure, but also kind of connecting John Podesta with these kind of really dark things involving using these code words, pizza code words, that according to law enforcement authorities did refer to pedophilia and that Podesta was involved in that and, and all of these kind of sickening photos on um, he and his brothers or kind of paintings on he and his brothers walls alluding to kind of uh, weird things like uh, cannibalism you know, kind of made me reassess you know, my opinion of Podesta and then of course with QAnon that kind of like really made me see that uh, you know, there was some very dark element to both Podesta and Hillary Clinton so, yeah, while I supported their UFO disclosures, the other things that they did, you know, really was beyond the pale. So, in your estimation, as someone who is really one of the pioneers in the whole exopolitical movement who coined the phrase, do you believe that these tribunals that are supposed to be happening, these uh, sealed indictments, all of this will ultimately lead to disclosure? I believe so. I think that uh, the deep state, uh, the group that has the greatest interest in maintaining the status quo. Once they are removed from power, then a lot of the secret inventions that have been held up under national security orders, uh, you know, currently there are over 5,700 patent applications that have been held up under national security orders. And these are basically patents concerning free energy, alternative healing modalities, Things that can revolutionise life on our planet, so that you know we could we could teleport, or we could travel from uh, Toronto, Canada, to the Big Island of Hawaii in 20 minutes, and I could you know you could literally be you could be having this interview person to person with these kinds of technologies being released. 
uh, these are the things that are being suppressed by the deep state. So once the deep state are exposed for their association to pedophilia, uh, international corruption, human rights abuses, child sacrifice, and many other crimes, that you know, the, the, the kind of architecture, the repressive architecture holding back uh, the disclosure of all of these life-changing technologies is going to be removed. And I think that we are going to rapidly go through a, a global renaissance which is unprecedented in our history. And I think within a, within a decade, Richard, that you know, we can be doing these things like just flying from Hawaii, Big Island Hawaii to Toronto, Canada, or teleporting there you know, within a matter of minutes uh, very, very quickly our transportation will be revolutionised. These are the sort of things that I think are going to happen and also the revelation of extraterrestrial life. Uh, that is one of the things that Deep State has been uh, most closely guarding, the truth about that, because once the truth about extraterrestrial life is revealed, um, then immediately everything is going to change because the big question any physicist, astronomer is going to ask is, well, how in the world did they get here from star systems that are like hundreds or thousands of light years away. How did they get here? Obviously, warp, uh, warp drives and kind of uh, wormhole travel uh, is very, very possible. And interestingly, you know, these are uh, uh, these are papers that have been released that have been released recently by Corey Good that has been getting a lot of attention. That these these were unclassified. Uh, for official use only documents that Corey Good was given by insiders and that he was the first to release. So that was, you know, corroboration that Corey Good does have access to genuine insiders. All right, uh, Michael, we will take one final time out and wreck an order on the other side and take it right to the top of the hour. Q Anon with Dr. Michael Sala, back with more of The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrant. Welcome back. Let's go back to the phones. And uh, Warren is here in Toronto. Warren, you're on with Dr. Michael Sala. Go ahead. Yes, how are you, gentlemen? Uh, well, thank you. You were talking about extraterrestrials, and uh, uh, about a week or so ago, Paul Hellyer was on the show. Uh, and he was talking about them as well. Now, something has always fascinated me. If you look from the time of Julius Caesar, the ancient Roman emperor, right up to the time of, let's say, the year 1905, what was the major means of locomotion for human beings? It's a question. Horse, horse-drawn uh, carriages. Exactly. Now this has always intrigued me. How is it that from the time of Julius Caesar, three thousand years ago, to the time of Murdoch Mysteries, like 1905 Toronto, the horse horse was the major means of locomotion, right? Correct. No. They, they hooked them up to wagons, uh, stagecoaches, whatever. All of a sudden, and in 1905, horses were in, in the streets of Toronto and New York, right? Okay, so where are we going with this, Warren? 
how is it that you go from three... You cut out there. We lost you. Is Warren still there? Are you there, Warren? Warren, go yeah, ahead. How is it that you go from 3,000 years with no progress and then from 1905 in a 40-year period you go from the horse and buggy to the atom bomb and jet fighters? Right, or from 1902 uh, and Kitty Hawk and uh, the Wilbur brothers and, and the first flight and 67 years later we have a man on the moon. Yeah, it's like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense because, you know, like 3,000 years with no human progress? I mean, as far as, you know, like the horse, the horse, the horse. Well, let's sudden, not forget like the... Like, it's almost as though, uh, you know... Uh, something helped us along. Extraterrestrials gave us something that... Right. Made us tremendous progress. Well, you're forgetting one innovation, and that was the development of the steam engine. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Um, what I'm saying, it, it just, you know, it doesn't really make sense. All right. Well, I'm sure Michael uh, has a, a response to that. Uh, yes, I think uh, the Industrial Revolution, you know, developing the steam engine, the internal combustion engine, um, you know, this provided the means for alternatives to the horse-drawn buggy. Um, but in terms of the, the, the real innovation, I think, you know, came in terms of uh, the, the development of uh, technologies to um, to manipulate electricity, uh, to, to generate electricity uh, so that you could use it as a power supply um, and also for developing a radio uh, communication. Um, that uh, Nikola Tesla, uh, he was a pioneer in, in, those, uh, in those topics and many other topics, and um, this is apparently... Uh, this is where the, the first connection with the extraterrestrials began, according to a Defence Intelligence Agency document that was leaked uh, that dated from 1997, that Nikola Tesla's radio, um, uh, early radio transmissions uh, using the, the Wardenclyffe Tower, that he transmitted these uh, pulses of energy um, and, and messages into outer space that they were received apparently by some extraterrestrial groups and they, re they re responded to Tesla and, and that's where Tesla and also Marconi began communicating with extraterrestrials and then um, the extraterrestrials began to visit and, and so then we have uh, events like the Roswell crash and uh, crashes immediately after that. So... So there is a kind of connection between extraterrestrial visitation and this kind of really amazing technological revolution that we went underwent, you know, both in terms of um, transportation from the horse-drawn buggy to steam engines, um, and all, but in particular with our communications. And even today, you know, when we look at uh, communications, I mean, look how far we've gone with communications with cell with our cell phones that have either the microprocessing power of uh, huge co huge apartment complexes, say, 30 years ago. But still, when it comes to transportation, we're still using kind of jet engines, uh, which which is technology that hasn't changed all that much over the last 70 years. So something is being repressed there. Well, and the transmission of electricity, it hasn't really changed that much in over 100 years. 
Well, that's right. I mean, in 1904, uh, uh, Tesla came up with uh, his idea for uh, the wireless transmission of power. Uh, that Wardenclyffe Tower was supposed to be this kind of example of, of how you could wirelessly transmit power uh, right around the planet wirelessly so that you, you could actually um, have people tapping into this uh, global uh, electric uh, supply that was generated by these towers that would place strategically that could generate this kind of standing wave pattern all around the planet. But of course, uh, Tesla was shut down. Uh, JP Morgan pulled the plug on the funding. And uh, Tesla, unfortunately, kind of like uh, uh, you know, died in poverty. You know, even though he had great ideas and could revolutionize the, the planet, um, a lot of his inventions didn't bring in the kind of capital so that he could uh, support himself and support some of his inventions, like the, you know, the Wardenclyffe Tower and this kind of project to wirelessly transmit power. Uh, you mentioned Tesla. Earlier in the program, you talked about uh, President Trump's uh, uncle, uh, John, who examined uh, Tesla's uh, papers. Um, who was his uncle working for? Was it, uh, was it the, the U.S. Department of Energy? Or why was Donald Trump's uncle poring over Tesla's papers? Well, well Trump's uncle was a, um, at the time, uh, he was an associate professor um, in mechanical engineering um, at, at uh, sorry, electrical engineering at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, um, and and so he was called upon by the FBI to investigate uh, Tesla's papers. Now, one of the things John Trump uh, specialized in, uh, his PhD was on uh, was on the Van de Graaff generator. He's he's uh, he worked under Robert. Van de Graaff, who was the inventor of the, van de, of, of the generator, which would generate this huge electrostatic charge. And this was the sort of technology that Tesla was working on. Um, and, and Tesla's uh, inventions in terms of, you know, some of his later uh, interviews, he talked about building this kind of uh, electromagnetic shield to, to protect the city or to develop uh, a kind of death ray where uh, huge electrostatic charges could be used as an offensive weapon um, against an enemy. So these are the kinds of topics that uh, John D. Trump was a specialist in. And so uh, he was also a specialist in uh, high-energy uh, radiation and in, in the effect, on the effect that it had on the human body. So for all these reasons, he was the, the man that the FBI wanted to come in and analyze Tesla's papers and see whether any of these were relevant to the war effort. Because 1943, um, early January, uh, early in the year, in January, which is when Tesla died, uh, you know, the United States was involved in the Second World War. So that was Tesla's job. He kind of uh, investigated all of this and gave a report to the FBI, but you know the thing to keep in mind here is that the report he gave to the FBI was not necessarily the same information he would have conveyed to the U.S. military. So he could have told the U.S. military, "Yes, Tesla has feasible inventions here for the development of some kind of electromagnetic weapon, um, uh, kind of like the, the early forerunner for directed energy weapons." Um, and this is one of the things that John Trump would have known about, 
And certainly uh, later on, I think he shared that with uh, President Trump when he was still, um, you know, uh, soon after Trump, Donald Trump had graduated from Wharton School of Economics. Uh, so it's possible he told a young Donald Trump about uh, flying saucers, about uh, UFO propulsion systems, uh, which could mean, if that's all true, that, that Donald Trump could end up being the disclosure president. Who would have thought of that? Well, well, definitely. I mean, this is one of the things. Uh, one of the majestic documents uh, talks about MIT being the place where the Ros- some of the Roswell artifacts were taken. And, and I think um, uh, John Trump would have been the logical choice to examine these because they, you know, one of the things is, you know, how do these craft propel themselves? And so they generate huge electrostatic charges for, for generating a kind of anti-gravity effect effect and for, and for creating the necessary thrust. So John Trump knew about this stuff um, and because that's why he was called upon to investigate Tesla's papers. Tesla, Tesla was also um, came up with ideas on flying saucers using this kind of uh, high voltage electrostatic generator that would, that would kind of power his flying saucer. So Trump was called upon to do that. He knew, he knew about the Roswell uh, crash um, and so, um, and, and Donald Trump actually gave an interview to the New Yorker, um, I believe it was sometime in the 80s, where he actually talked about uh, the discussions he had uh, with uh, John Trump, um, where Trump told him all about uh, nuclear weapons and a host of other topics associated with uh, Trump's area of expertise. So I think that's when Donald Trump was told by his uncle, all about uh, flying saucers, Tesla's uh, anti-gravity inventions, uh, free energy, wireless transmission of, uh, of power. Uh, these were all things that Donald Trump, I think, knew. You know, they're echoed in his inauguration speech. And so I think Donald Trump very much uh, is, is, I think he is going to be the disclosure president. Fascinating. Uh, we have less than a minute. Well, about a minute here. And let me get you your take on this because, you know, this is one of the wilder. If, if QAnon it, himself isn't a kind of a, a you know, a out there kind of theory for some people to handle, wait till they hear this one. And that is that, and I just talked about uh, John F. Kennedy Jr. on Coast to Coast uh, the other night. The idea that, that John F. Kennedy Jr. is, in fact, QAnon, that he, he wasn't killed in that plane crash almost 20 years ago. And now they are, they are offering up photos and photo comparisons between this individual, Vincent Fusca, or Fusca, uh, who, I have to admit, does look like an older John F. Kennedy Jr. What are your thoughts on that, that, that QAnon is JFK Jr.? Uh, I, I don't think that's, that's the case. I, I think that might be some sort of disinformation out there to kind of like, uh, kind of undermine the legitimacy of, of QAnon. But, you know, what QAnon did say about uh, uh, John F. Kennedy Jr. was that basically he linked uh, John F. Kennedy's um, death to Hillary Clinton's campaign to become uh, a senator for New York, that, that, uh, that John F. Kennedy Jr. was actually seriously contemplating running for that Senate seat. And if he had run, he would have blocked Hillary's path to becoming a senator for New York uh, State and then ultimately becoming 
Secretary of uh, State and uh, eventually launching two unsuccessful runs for the presidency. So I think Q has revealed uh, that Hillary Clinton um, and Bill Clinton were involved in the death, really the assassination of John F. Kennedy Jr. Dr. Michael Sala, we are out of time. Thank you so much for this. Again, the website, exopolitics.org. Thanks again. Thank you, Richard, for having me. My pleasure. All right, back next week with a brand new program. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Thank you, Ian, Ryan, Albert. So long for now. <laughs>